It's Reese Parkinson here and welcome to How I Got Here. I'm excited for this. It's Westfield's new podcast series, exploring unique and inspirational careers. Over the course of eight episodes, I'll be speaking to some amazing entrepreneurs and business owners. So join us as we hear from the people behind the brand. Today, we have the lovely Bex from Bexfuss, the all-natural vegan breakfast company which she started in 2015 and has since gone to grow a loyal social fan base. She won Westfield's Hottest Food Entrepreneur Competition in 2017 and has grew the business to selling over 2,500 pots a week. And Mahek Kansal, founder and owner of Binda's Eatery. From a dream to reality, having just opened her very own authentic Indian restaurant in Mayfair, London. Of all places, that's one of the, if not the most prestigious part of London. After having a pop-up shop last year in Westfield and winning their food competition in 2018, we're going to be speaking to both of them about how their businesses started, challenges they have faced, and getting their top tips on starting a business. Welcome back to the How I Got Here podcast. It's Reese Parkinson here. We are joined by two amazing guests. We have uh, Bex from Bexless Pots, and we also have Mahek from Binder's Eatery. Hi. Um, I want to go straight into this now and, and talk about what happened to you today, Mahek, because this is real kind <laughs> of, this is real life in the, in the food business world. Um, I had the wrong meat delivered to my restaurant door. Okay. And my supplier kind of told me to stuff it because they have other orders on the lorry. <laughs> so wow. Um, and I have a, um, I've got, I've actually got quite a few people coming in this evening for dinner um, and they uh, delivered the wrong meat, which needed to be halal. And also I got chicken breast when I needed chicken in a fillets. So I had to turn everything around really quickly in the morning, pick up the meat, send it in an Uber, check that the delivery had got there checked that my chemicals had also arrived, got into an Uber, and now I'm here. <laughs> so just to clarify, it's, it's not even 11 a.m. <laughs> no. when we're and that's all happened already. Yeah, it start, the madness probably started. 4 a.m. I got the first call. Um, the delivery was checked at about 6.30. I wasn't able to contact my supplier. My supplier doesn't open until 9 o'clock, so the lines don't open until 9. Um, so I just decided just to head down to Battersea anyway. Um, and just say hi. You gave me the wrong meat. Here's your meat. Give me the right. The, give me the correct meat. Um, they said that they weren't able to put it on the lorry again. So, send an Uber. Everything down to the restaurant. Chefs are now happy. Starting preparation ahead for this evening service. So. Okay. So my first question for you, Bex, why would anybody want to get into this industry? <laughs> <laughs> it is madness, like all of the time. But I think it's also really fun. I think you get to meet lots of people all of the time I'm quite a people person so um yeah and you get to make great food you make people happy um and it's creating experiences which yeah. I think is really cool well both your businesses look amazing and uh it's probably as you've explained there Mahek like it's not an easy job at all especially from when you start to even now that you're more established but Bex for you how did how did that come about because yours is a real kind of I was literally from my own kitchen. I was yeah. I started this. So talk to me about your business. Oh, well, it's been a bit of a mishmash of just randomly saying yes to different opportunities as I went along. But I was making them at home. I guess the, the story was that I used to be like really um, 
uncomfortable in my body. I really just didn't like myself very much. I kind of grew up really just kind of never feeling happy with what I saw in the mirror. And after I had my daughter, I decided that, um, you know, like this is a brand new female. She's not got any experience of the world. She has no idea what being a woman is or like how to feel. And so I just thought the best thing I can do for her is to feel good in myself so that what she learns from me is like positive vibes about being a woman and not you know things that we pick up from the media and stuff like that so I decided I was going to start running I was going to get in shape I used to be like massive drinker massive smoker so it was kind of like a whole change for me but I felt like it was really important so I did that got really into running and then I started looking at food and realized that you know I didn't really have any kind of knowledge of what healthy eating really is um I thought that like you know putting a salad with burger and chips that made it healthier (laughs) like (laughs) you know like that was just kind of like oh as long as there's something green on there it's fine but um I got really into it and I kind of like fell into this rabbit hole of um whole foods and like um eating foods that could like really benefit your body and um yeah so I just got really excited by it and I was really addicted to cake in my pregnancy so I was trying to then take away my cake cravings by eating something that was good for me and I kind of like started making these overnight oats breakfast pots but they were really delicious and I'm quite like I love food that looks good because I feel like anything that looks good makes you want to eat it more as well so I was just doing that and I had Instagram but it was like back in the day like I don't even think hashtags were a thing when I started on Instagram I remember that starting and um just from like the group of friends I had I came from like a music background so I used to be a singer and songwriter and so I had that kind of like those kind of people on my Instagram and then it just kind of like fell into this world and then you get into like the mum Instagram world and um, then the running, running's like massive on Instagram as well. And so I just kind of fell into a few of these different groups um, and then was posting pictures of the parts and then people started asking to buy them. And at that point, like there was no idea of it being a business. It was not ever in my plan to start that kind of thing or like there was no budget, you know, I was just at home with my baby um and yeah and so after about a year a friend of mine started a boot camp on Clapham Common and he, he was like well look why don't you try and sell the pot so I was like okay cool like we'll give it a go they were all in random sized jars there was no labels there were like a few different random flavors that whatever I had at home I think I started with like 20 quid worth of ingredients and then just mm-hmm. made them and then people just came and bought them and a lot of them were my friends at first that were going to the boot camp um and then people started showing up from Instagram um and yeah, it just became a thing. And I think because from like literally from the idea to everything that was happening after that was documented on Instagram. So it was just kind of like, oh, people are asking to buy my pot. So like, I'm just going to send them at this boot camp. And then, you know, then um, a friend of mine was like, oh, there's this really cool independent health shop on my road. Like you should come and talk to the guys um, and they might stock it. And so we did and they liked them. And so then I had to start handwriting the labels because there was no la- um, like budget to buy any labels or anything. So yeah. I was like handwriting with these labels on like luggage tags and like sticking them on the top. And then, but everyone was like, oh my gosh, it's happening. Like they're in the shop and you can go and get it. But I would literally turn up with them in a suitcase and I, it was in um, Alexandra Palace and I was coming from Woolwich and I don't drive. <laughs> so it was like on like four different trains up and down like stairs. Um, and, uh, you know, people would just come and they would be waiting outside the shop in the morning for them and, um, and we're just waiting to buy them. Often we wouldn't even get them into the fridge before people bought them. So I was like, okay, there's definitely something here. It's like people love them. Like it was becoming like, 
obsessive. Like yeah. people would just like message me all the time, like, where are you going to be? And I'd deliver them around London underground um, to like complete strangers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been all very dodgy and weird. How right. did you get signal? Oh, no, well, you just have to wait until you came back out because at that time right. there wasn't the Wi Fi yes. on the underground. I <laughs> it was just so like DIY. And so, and I went through so many suitcases as well because it, the loads kept getting bigger and bigger yeah. and they were just really, really heavy. And so it's like the wheels, oh my God, the wheel came off. And that was it. Well, you basically you did it yourself, <laughs> DIY, and, and you got to a point where you. It, could actually now is it a, is it your full time gig? Yeah, it's been full time for a, about a year now. I've oh, got congratulations. Um, five staff, wow. six now actually because I've just taken on a social media um, and email person. So does your daughter count as a staff member? She, do you know she has official roles <laughs> in okay. the in the in the which actually sounds dodgy, but it wasn't dodgy. So when we first gave her the role, it was like she was like maybe three, four. And yeah. so she was like, yeah, I want to be the pot manager. So like she managed the pots, so <laughs> <laughs> which now I'm like, this whole story is going left. It's like, yeah, so she would have this little tick sheet. So when we'd go to meet people at the underground, like we'd often stuff at like a coffee shop or yeah. whatever, she needed the toilet or she needed to eat something. And so she would get there and she'd like tick off who'd had their pots or like when we got to somebody, she'd be like, right, she's having a caramel crunch. She's having a like That's cacao and raspberry, whatever. She's so cute. She's such a good kid. Oh, she was coming with you. On, on yeah. like. A lot of the time she was with me. And um, and so, yeah, so she'd have this little, t you know, tick sheet. She'd have a little suitcase. Obviously, didn't have anything in it, but like, you know, pens mm. and like paper or whatever. But it was just really, really That's sweet. That. And now, um, so now when she comes, she's nine now. And she um, came to the office the other week because obviously in lockdown, she wasn't at school, whatever. And... Um, she she's so confident like she's been around people like her whole like adults and you know she's very much feels a part of the the company and yeah. whatever and so she came downstairs and she was saying to stuff um have you had your break yet <laughs> and, I was like, and they were like no 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 she was like no I think it's about time I think you need to go and have some lunch like you haven't had a rest for like a little while so um and then she came out to me and she said um mum I think uh, actually my role now should be the health uh the well-being officer <laughs> And I was like, okay, yeah, okay, cool. So she's we HR. like, yeah, yeah, she's like, she's such a boss. She is ah. gonna own like whatever she wants to do. She will do it. But um, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, so it's a great story as well. And a heck for yourself. Uh, it sounds like from Bex, what you were saying as well that uh, it's starting off with these different niches on Instagram, the running community who into their health. Um, your singer and songwriter friends you mentioned as well that may want to try new things. And for yourself, Mahek, was there a uh, a community that you was aiming for when you were started? Did you have an idea of who your audience is? Honestly, when I started this, um, I felt that there was no decent Indian or Indian inspired restaurant I had been to in London at all. I mean, we have the likes of Dishoom who are great and pioneers in what they do and trying to bring the whole um, Indian food scene to life. Um, but by way of background, I'm completely self-taught property developer. This was something oh, that wow. I've never done before. Um, 2018, I'd seen the competition advertised in Hot Dinners. And now I'm here. <laughs> so, yeah, so talk to me about the competition. So the competition I had seen actually on Instagram through Hot Dinners. And I had nothing but a concept and a dream, I guess you could say. Um, and I thought, hmm, I'm not an existing operator. I've never sold my food to anybody before. I've baked cakes and I've catered for parties and things, um, but I've never done anything on that scale. So I saw the competition, I entered, got through to stage one and I was like, okay, cool, this could be something. 
got to stage two where we had to do our menu submissions and things and what what, what is that we wanted um, to do and what we hope to achieve from it. Um, got to stage three where we had to take all the pictures of our food. Um, then it was stage four, which was the live cook-off. Um, and I was uh, I was against four other operators. So it was like bake-off. It was basically. literally like that. And I, I had nothing but I had my husband and my dad take out like boxes full of crates and like slates and like little copper things. I was going, I was going master chef. Yeah. Like, I was going full on. I, I even checked with Westfield, like what inventory they had. They was like, do you have this pan for this? And do you have that pan for that? And I think at the time there's been like, do they know that she's only bringing in a sample to try this? <laughs> But I came and I brought additional bits and came with my A boards, my business plan um, and a dream, really. And I just made my butter chicken bomb burger, which is what I think probably brought me here in the first place. Um, everyone loved it. The judges loved it. Um, and it just all kind of spiraled from there, really. Then I was mentored by Omar Lilaboy, um for pretty much a year, I'd say. I took on the pop up um in February 2019 for two weeks. Um, we It was literally, the first two days were a little bit unnerving because we weren't getting any, we didn't have that many customers through, we were thinking, are we gonna make any sales? Started giving out samples, then we were getting cues for the burgers. Do, after the out. samples? Yeah. It's interesting, because you go to any market or any pop-up, um, or you go to Westfield, you see people giving out samples, and I, I always thought, I wonder how much that actually mm. works, but. No, it worked. For you, it, it, you smashed it yeah, from that. Yeah, literally. Um, and then Westfield were really helpful. They put a little push behind us as well. Um, so much so that I got to Tara Negatum. So he came to eat as well at the pop-up, which was great. Um, how nervous? And <laughs> how, how nervous when you're preparing the food? No, honestly, to be honest, I didn't recognize him because he had a baseball hat on and he was hovering around the food. And I said, are you going to eat or are you just going to look? <laughs> and then he was like... <laughs> What are you making? <laughs> and then I was like, I was like, there's makini here and there's chicken. Do you actually like Indian food? And he was like, I love it. So I said, fine. So I gave him a sample and I was like, it's good, right? And then my husband was like, that's Taryn Egerton. That's Taryn Egerton. I was like, Eggsy. <laughs> he, like, he was like, yeah. And then I was like, oh my God. And then he was like, oh, okay, uh, we'll have two butter chicken bomb burgers, please. I was like, sure thing. So then I was like, I'm really sorry that I said, are you just going to eat or are you just going to look around? And he was like, no, 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 don't worry. I like the sass. So I was like, fine. <laughs> Made him the butter chicken bomb burgers, um, put us on Instagram. And then he actually messaged afterwards saying, whenever you guys open, let me know. It would be great to like try and support local businesses. Plus also absolutely obsessed with the burger. Great. Um, the two week pop up happened. Uh, we pretty much sold out every single night, which was great. Um, and it was a very satisfying, uh, very satisfying, pe uh, very, sorry, sat very satisfying feeling having people like come down, eat your food and then watch them lick their fingers and like lick the bowls clean. Because you're mm. just like, I've created that. I prepared that and you're enjoying it. And this is nourishing your soul. They lick the bowls as well. Literally. <laughs> I, look, I'm telling you, you, my muckini. in favour of that? Yeah. No, I don't mind. My muckini, like seriously, is going to bring everybody together. Yeah. Like <laughs> if you like butter chicken... <laughs> I'm telling you, that sauce is finger licking good. Forget KFC and all that. Like you, <laughs> you need to try my butter chicken sauce. Like it's amazing. Do you do anything vegan? Yes, we do. Oh, so we actually have vegan options. We're actually working on a vegan makani right now amazing. as well. So you can get the same flavor, but obviously nut based. Mm -hmm. okay, okay, so so for both of you, um, say if you're listening, and because a lot of people, especially now, really have have say 
banana bread was like the thing at the start of lockdown. Yeah, everyone was obsessed. (laughs) But to the point that maybe someone, let's say banana bread, makes banana bread, gives it to their mum and their nan and their brother and they're just like, okay, this is actually like different levels. What point do you, does, can a person be like, aha, business? Where, where, where do you get to that stage from you're making it to your family and friends and they really enjoy it and then you go, okay, I can actually make this as a career maybe? Well, I think there's a lot of things that, because like, I don't know, like people are always like, oh, well, it's just breakfast or it's just Indian food or it's just whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but there's a whole sandwich industry. Like people, it's like making it accessible for people and making something that they can get maybe on the go or something that they're going to enjoy with people because it doesn't have to be like some new creation or some new idea it's just like the story that you put into it and the love and attention to detail and Mm. because obviously social media is so accessible for people I do think that that is such a driver in like getting attention from everyone right now Mm. and I think if you can get together some eye-catching packaging um and tell a little story I think people love that whole homemade thing as well like you know often if I'm buying something that I haven't tried before and it's got just a a little bit on the sticker that says you know made in the kitchen it's my dad's recipe or my nan's recipe or whatever and I'm just like that's cute so I agree people really look for that emotional connection Mm -hmm. towards food like a hundred percent like they want to see that not only are you innovative, but you've taken the time to care for the ingredients that has gone in. You've taken care to prepare it. Mm-hmm. And also they can actually feel that nourishment that you're trying to give towards them. Yeah. So I think for me, like especially during lockdown, was we had plans to open up last year um, and towards the beginning of this year, then the pandemic hit and we were just like, oh, what do we do? Then when I think lockdown actually was kind of also a godsend for us because mm. it gave us a chance to sit down, take stock of what we're trying to do, reevaluate our business and thought, right, how can we change this business model to like make it more accessible? Then I started doing Instagram orders from home and I didn't think that um, I would get a huge response the way that I did the where I was literally knee deep in muckany every week and I had <laughs> orders going out every day <laughs> and my husband was just like he was looking at me and he was just like another order are you, are you going to keep a bit full? I was like no 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 I was like beans on toast for you babe these are paid orders yeah. that are going out so I think when you start to see the excitement (laughs) my husband is well fed FYI (laughs) just not on that day yeah just not on the day where he hovers around I'm like you know um but I think when you start to see um I think your passion also forces you to look at it in more of a scalable prospect that you start to think right how can I scale this into a business keeping the passion keeping the drive but also keeping the momentum going well real like logistically as well if you are making um, your own food yeah. at home how do you move that into like an industrial space and how how does that work because you, you probably kind of get a lot of enjoyment carrying around a suitcase in a weird way at one <laughs> yeah. point right because you're like oh no at, okay. one, at one point yeah no there was there was a point probably but where yeah. I was like this is cool right, and then actually m- that inner space yeah how's that like that transition that must be it was crazy. I mean, I'd never seen a commercial oven until like last year. Mm. So like I, it was trying to, also tweaking recipes so that you can actually fit them into a commercial kitchen, a commercial space, but also trusting other people to like handle your food, prepare it and making it scalable. That was really hard for me, I think, because I'd set my recipes and they were all set for a domestic kitchen. 
they weren't appropriate for a commercial mm. kitchen and then scaling it from doing like a kilo or two of muckany you had to scale it up to like 10 kilos or 15 mm -hmm. kilos and how we were going to do that and also you know working with different grades of spices different grades of like dairy different grades of vegetables and things like so trying to scale all that was it was it was a task and a half mm. because not only do you have to be you have to be familiar with a commercial space like with your commercial equipment you also need to know cooking times cooking methods preparation methods and also you're limited to your kitchen so space and your property and the property that you're in the site that you're in has a huge factor to deal with it mm -hmm. so you can have all these amazing recipes and all these amazing ideas of what you want to cook the reality is if your kitchen's not big enough or your kitchen can't facilitate, for example, a rationale and a few inductions and things, you have to rechange your whole menu to make sure that you can cook what you can actually in your right. kitchen. So it, that was one of my biggest challenges. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think it's also important like that people understand that like getting started is the most important yeah. thing because I think you look at a end product and you think oh my gosh like they yeah. must have just made it like that but there's been so many yeah you know variations in between so many packaging changes so many recipe changes so many times that you know you've had to really sit and think is this important to me if it's not let's get rid of it let's change yeah. it and whatever and when you first start especially with something you've made from your own yeah. two hands and your own mind it's like yeah. no this is how it's always going to be and you know yeah. this is the way that I intended for people to have it but then as it scales you're like okay, but how do I keep the ethos, but right. make it scalable? Like not selling out and yeah. like making it commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's really important. I think that's what makes Epic Brands. It's like something that starts with an idea and as it gets bigger, it doesn't go, oh, okay, well, actually it would be a lot more profitable to use plastic instead of the glass, or like whatever, the, which is the problem that we had because I do everything in glass and I have done from the beginning. And I had loads of people offering me money from the beginning, like, oh, but if you use plastic, then your profit margins will be bigger and then it'll be like, we could definitely work with you on that. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to get to my deathbed and know that there is this like sea of plastic that I've created because ultimately the world could have done without it and exactly. you know so uh, I was like at my heart like the thing that makes this business what it is I don't think it's that we use the type of oats that we use and it's not that because we fill it with this certain type of machine or this uh, the th it's the heart and the soul it's like what the idea was initially and how that's grown but not changed like it's changed slightly but not from where like the heart and soul yeah. of that is because I think that's just that's when you see it with companies all of the time they've got a great story you know you see them and you're supporting them and then they get to a point where like a big investor comes in and it's like well let's do it this way if yeah. you take like a million pounds and they go yeah actually that'd be like a lot easier and it would <laughs> like your life would be like your own again but um but then I think you know so often that that just leads to you know the the actual I can't think of the word. The Unfulfillment. Yeah, maybe. and like the fabric of what makes a great brand. I think that can be easily stripped away. So just kind of like keep hold of like what's important to you in that time. Um, and yeah, and just learn. I think learning is the biggest thing you can do. It's like at every point I had no idea what I was doing. It was just like, okay, so how do I take this situation or this opportunity that I've been given and run with it but also like become an expert in every little bit as I go because I think it's especially as a woman running mm. a business yeah. and this is what we we're saying earlier about yeah. you know people not listening to you because they're like oh she's just a woman or oh she doesn't really know what she's talking about but actually it's like actually my ideas got us all here like you know so let's just not forget that there is 
oh, I can bring something to this table that maybe you haven't, or I'm seeing it from a side that you're not going to see it from because I'm being objective on all the points, exactly. not just the production, not just the packaging. And yeah. I am overseeing every single thing. So... I can't remember what my original point with this was. <laughs> I, I women were all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can do a lot. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah. I, I, got, I did have a really valid point. No, you did. It was kind of... Um, you, you kind of... Uh, um, kind of glossed over the fact that someone had come in, what sounds like, to kind of help or buy the business in a sense. If oh, you yeah. use plastics to get profits, go yeah. boom. But sticking to your roots on that is yeah. not an... That's not an easy thing when it's probably not. if you did the calculations, you would see how much more you'd make. Honestly, we're, we yeah. were like, I would be like probably millionaire by now if I'd have done it yeah. and done no, it and sold really? to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the the way that we could have done it, like if we'd have kept like, we do a lot of orders at the moment and mm. that is with the with all of the problems, all of the problematic things we have about the business at the moment and we're still doing lots and lots of orders. If we could then you know make it in a factory have it in plastic so it was like super cheap to make use lesser quality ingredients um and sell it to people as the dream as most of these health products are sold to you is like oh yeah. this is the product's gonna change your life and actually exactly. it's got no yeah. uh, next to no nutritional content in it at all oh absolutely but again i don't want that i think that's too easy and i think you know if if not that it's easy to become a millionaire not that I'm not saying that but like easy in the terms of like like I want to know that I am doing my best and that what I'm putting out into the world is like absolute best I could have done and I think there's a million and one companies that already produce low quality stuff no, <laughs> so no, I don't no. want to do that I just think life's too short it's go for big I understand what you're saying 100% because for me it was like we had because I've actually got um, business partners as well on board, and they have an they've got existing chains of restaurants, um, and they are great in what they're doing in like back of house and operational mm -hmm. stuff. But also for them, it's always margin, 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 margin. And for me, I, this is what been my ethos from day one is that I'm not going to put into I'm not going to put in other people's bodies what I would not put into my mm, own. Exactly. So I need to make sure that I have the best meat even though I just said lapse <laughs> earlier, um, the best like uh, uh, bakery goods, I need to make sure I've got the best dairy and the the best produce and making sure that for me, doesn't matter about the bottom line. Of course, we all have to work for a bottom mm -hmm. line, but it's more important for me to make sure I have quality over quantity. 100%. So uh, I completely agree with you 100% on that. Mahek, you mentioned uh, earlier about the competition. Was that the Westfield's London's Hottest Food yeah, Entrepreneur that Competition? Was the one. So you won that. Um, how did, what happened after that? That must have that changed everything for you. Uh, pretty much. Um, just sort of, it gave me like the most amazing platform um, in which to launch my business. Think about it because I was the only, well, I can't even say operator because I wasn't even operating at the time. <laughs> I was the only person there that was nothing but a concept with a few A-boards. Um, whereas the other people in the competition who I was competing against, they were established operators. So they were actually trading or they you know, had sites or they were operating from dark kitchens and things. Mm. Um, so for that, that really helped me take everything that I wanted to a whole new level. Um, after the pop-up had completed, we were struggling on finding a site. We were just we were struggling completely to find a site. Um, it was really, really difficult um, just to be and start trading where I wanted to where I wanted to be I was getting told to start going to dark kitchens and to start 
uh, maybe going to places like Box Park. But in the back of my head, I always knew that if I went down that route, it'd be very hard for me then to get out of that dark kitchen or get out of a place like Fox Park and actually fulfill my dream, which is to be have, which is to have a, an eaten Indian restaurant mm. and to have an eatery. Um, so I just decided just to keep the focus that I knew what I like. I knew what I wanted to do. And I knew what I set out to do. And come rain, come shine, I was just going to open up a restaurant. Mm. So I had a lot of struggles along the way. Whereas my husband, kept, my husband, my family, they kept saying, you know what's the point doing all these Instagram orders and what's the point doing a Zoom classes from home and doing all this stuff, just take on a site, just take on a kitchen, just take on a kitchen. And I said, if I do that, I feel that I'm being short-sighted and that my reach is only gonna be to a certain level or to a certain extent. Um, and if I really, really wanted to showcase like who I am, what the repertoire is of all my cooking and what my offering is like in London, I need to think big and, um, I'm a really strong believer in like, if you manifest something to the universe, like the universe provides. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. really, really believe mm. in that. So there will be countless times that my husband will be like, you're just wasting your time, mm. you're this, you're that. Oh my God, you could scale it up. And I'm just like, yes, okay, the lawyer in you needs to just buy out of this <laughs> conversation and you need to just focus on your own life and look at leases. But, um, and then, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you don't hold back. No. <laughs> I've noticed this. <laughs> sorry. Good on you. Uh, I was like, I was like, I know what I'm doing and I believe that, I said, come 2020, I'm going to have my site and we were kind of i don't know if i'm if i can actually reveal this but um yeah she just it's fine it's fine it's happening so we were kind <laughs> of going back and forth a little bit as to like you know where we were going to open where the first site in uh, 2019 was going to be 2020 um we're grateful i was grateful um that i was given the opportunity to actually um do uh, a little bit of food tasting for a major corporate landlord for the site that we're in now um, and we'd seen this site in the beginning of this year in January. Um, they love the food. They're blown away by the, the butter chicken bomb burger um, and a few other dishes. And they said, right, when do you want to start? They had an existing operator in the unit at the time. And I said, oh, well, whenever you serve notice on them, hopefully maybe March time. Pandemic hit, lockdown happened. We had to rethink um, what we were going to do um, as to if we were really going to open in 2020, if it would have to be 2021. We were also um, talking to Westfield at the time um, because my my heart was set on opening at Westfield White City. Um, and touch wood, I can happily say that um, <laughs> we will be opening there in 2021. Hey, um, so it's just like, um, it's just, it feels really, really surreal to, for something to have started from a concept, manifested to the universe, universe has like now provided, got a first site now in Mayfair. This is our fourth day open. We have been getting people um, come in and eat with us who visited us at Westfield. And that is the most soul satisfying thing to see when you recognize faces that you haven't seen in a year. Mm. And they pop in and they're like, can we please have a butter paneer bomb? Or your menu is really is really is, is much bigger. Can we have that new gin cocktail? And I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. Like, let me feed you. Um, so it's just it's it's been surreal, crazy, um, and absolutely amazing. But the one thing that I always say to anyone who wants to get into F and B is just don't give up. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get so many people along the way that are going to give you their two pennies worth of advice. Stick to your guns. 
manifest and just go for it honestly yeah. well there's so many kind of what you said is so powerful because someone and that's your own husband not in yeah. a bad way but nope. he's yeah. exercising his own yeah. life his own yes. journey mm. and you're saying like you, you don't get this is my no. you mm-hmm. don't get my thing yeah and for you to do that is what a lot of young people listening you get that from your mom or your dad where they're like yeah. you shouldn't start making uh breakfast pots he, what, correct, like yeah. how yeah. Yeah. like what we were chatting yeah. about like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> literally um but yeah that's some great practical advice as well mm. so bex maybe if you could give some real practical advice on just starting up and just what is it the one thing that that someone should know well I think starting with what you have like not thinking that you have to have all the experience all of the amazing equipment amazing you know people backing you investors like whatever you know it's just having a great idea and and you know really believing in it manifesting it living and breathing it I mean it's going to take over your life so it's got to be something you're really passionate about if you don't feel like doing it every time every day when you wake up then it's probably not the thing but and also I know a lot of people that have had something that looked like it was gonna really blow up and like be massive but it just wasn't their thing and there's always this rule of like third businesses always seem to be like for some people you know um they will do two things and then the third one is like the charm yeah exactly because you get all that experience and I just think learning like knowledge is the key to everything um and you never want to be in a position where someone says to you like oh you know what about this in your business and you haven't thought about it or you haven't you know you haven't processed that kind of thing you always want to be just obsessively thinking about it and like how do I make this better how do I make this more accessible to people how do I you know grow my online community how do I do this like you have to cover all bases and I think it's very easy to look at insta I mean I talk from a social media point of view because that's where like I've grown everything from but um it's easy to look online and look at people's businesses and whatever and just be like oh well they've obviously got you know money behind them or they've obviously and a lot of the time it's literally just that chipping away at like problems every single day because you always are going to encounter problems and it's how you think about it and I have definitely like last year for us we had to scale very very quickly um and I wasn't ready for it and it was honestly the worst like six months to a year of my life like I cried pretty much every day and it was awful but I knew in like the pit of my stomach that I wasn't going to give up on this or at least without giving it absolutely everything um and it was yeah it was really really tough but I was like okay so these are the problems that are under my control and then you're always going to have like external problems as well that are like suppliers and you know things we had like a smash palette of jars that was and it was honestly I'm like not the most organized of people. So I've like created like little systems for myself to like be able to do things because it will be like right to the last minute. I'm like, oh, we haven't got like, you know, oats. (laughs) like our main ingredient or like whatever. Like something's going to happen. So I had um, for the first time ever ordered three pallets of jars from different places because I was like, if something goes wrong with one of these, then at least I've got some like. So the first pallet of jars smashed on its on route to us and they sent me a picture of it and it was just like literally just smashed everywhere and I was like this is the story of my life I'm like the unluckiest person and then the other two had been caught up at different pools at like different and it wasn't like a crazy time of year it wasn't like you know yeah yeah. it wasn't Christmas it was like I don't know it was like early it was like early summer last year 
Um, and then the other two had been caught up at points. So we had no jars. We had no, um, you know, everything was just, it was just a madness. So you've just got to kind of like learn how to be objective about all of the things because otherwise it will drive you insane. And because a lot of the things that you can control, you will control. And then you're going to always have these other things that happen and it will feel like the whole world's against you. And that it's, you know, what's the point? Because every week there's something, but the thing that really changed everything for me was just like my perspective on it. It's like laughing. I almost like, I laugh. Like when things like this happen, now I'm like, of course it's going to happen. Of course yeah. it is, but what are we going to do? Yeah. So I say to my staff, I'm like, don't bring me problems. Just tell me what you're going to do about exactly. it. Like, Solutions. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Cause I'm yeah. just like, I don't want to yeah. hear it. Yeah. Honestly, it almost like freaks me out when no, people start I, freaking yeah. out. I'm like, but it's fine. And then they're like, no, no, but we don't. And I'm like, it's fine. Yeah. It's all going to be okay. Cause there's not been one situation that yeah. hasn't been solvable in some way exactly. so, so true yeah it's I literally agree with you. and your life is so much better the minute yeah. you stop it's stressing so true and you start laughing yeah, yeah. I had yeah. that last night I, I was working last night and the, the producer something happened wrong we were trying to get some callers on and she was running around like but we're on air so she's like <laughs> and afterwards I'm just like yeah. I started laughing she's like how can you laugh I'm like what else like yeah. literally it's happened yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. So because it's going to happen whether you're yeah. happy or sad mm. about it it's going to happen yeah. so yeah. you've got like two choices you're either going to ride yeah. the wave and make it into a positive or you're going to just crash and burn yeah. and uh, it's that's not helpful to but anyone. where but everyone listening is going to ride the wave <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ride yeah. The yeah. Wave. yeah ride the wave uh, Bex Meher you've been Amazing. That was a really thank fun you. conversation. So thank, thank you for, you. Yeah, thank thanks you for your time. Me. Yeah, thanks for yeah, having us. It's been great. Awesome. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We appreciate you. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And of course, follow our social media channels at Westfield London and at Westfield Stratford City. So on the next episode, we are going to be delving into the hot topic of sustainability and conscious careers as we're joined by Hannah Carter from Love Not Landfill. <laughs>